is episode 157 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm James Langer, joined today by Brad Ford, Paul Noonan, and Ryan Top. We got the whole gang here talking about the improbable Brewers playoff appearance. But first, a reminder, we are sponsored by Carbon 4 Brewing. You know the great beers like Block Party and the flagship Fantasy Factory IPA. The next time you're in Madison, stop by the brewery on Kingston Boulevard on the east side. You can also get 20% off some Carbon 4 merch online just by listening to this podcast. Go to Carbon4.com. Use our promo code. That's MKE Tailgate when you check out. That's Carbon 4 Beer Brilliance. You can also help support our podcast network at Patreon.com slash MKE Tailgate. For $5 a month, our ball and glove and above patrons get the minor league extra podcast with Ryan and Brad, as well as Paul's reporting as eligible mini pods throughout the Packers season. We get a preview of the Packers game every week. Now that we're in football season, uh, you should definitely check those out. They're super informative and kind of enlightening, and Paul will give you something to look for every week. He really nailed a few things this week. Like, he yeah, really. Yeah. I, I, when he talked in, I, I don't know, it was two weeks ago or whatever, talked about the fact that the team or would run a play until it stopped working. And then mm-hmm. they just kept running that same, Boom. that same, That's how they uh, beat the Saints. Yeah. I mean, they, they ran that same tight end bootleg like over and over and over and over and it, they never stopped it so they just kept doing it it was fantastic yeah yeah and paul also called a random touchdown by like a fifth string lions wide receiver the other week so that's the kind of insight you get on those mini pods so be sure to sign up for those um another note too uh while we're on the topic so you might have seen that the uh, reporting as eligible guys got no little tiff with uh rob Demoski on ESPN about DVOA and nerd talk and all that stuff. So they've whipped up a t-shirt. They they have a DVOA t-shirt basically now. And Paul actually has a bunch that he's giving away. So if you sign up in the next few weeks here to become a patron, you'll automatically be entered in to win one of those t-shirts. So uh, he'll kind of pick random numbers and I think he's got five to give away so that's another incentive there to sign up for our patreon that's patreon.com slash mke tailgate yeah it says dorks value only analytics and it's in green and gold colors so yeah perfect for the packer fan yes like we said five bucks a month that ball and glove patron so you'll be entered in old patrons too you have a chance to win basically once you're in Paul will pick a bunch of random numbers and five people will get those t-shirts. If you haven't started listening to reporting as eligible yet, uh, highly recommend it. They had their best week that they'd ever had. They were up over uh, a thousand for listening nice. last, uh, even well before we got to the end of that week. So they were, uh, they were bringing in people. So if you haven't started listening, make sure you do that now. Yeah. Great start for the Packers and great podcast to listen to for sure. Well, it wasn't pretty, but the Brewers are back in the playoffs for a third straight year. First time in franchise history they've done that. They, of course, lost their win-and-you're-in scenario on Sunday. Still managed to back in when the Phillies and Giants both, I guess, sucked harder and blew their chance in turn. So Brewers are the eighth seed in the National League. Despite finishing in fourth place in the NL Central, they've never been above 500 this year. One of the first teams in MLP history to make the playoffs at a sub-500 record, I guess not strike-shortened season. I think it was the 81 Royals did something similar. So I guess you've got them, and then you've got the Brewers and Astros in a COVID-shortened season making this playoffs under 500. I guess my first question, guys, is uh, should we be ashamed, or is this more funny than anything 
<laughs> I mean, it's totally a product of this insane, stupid year and the insane changes that they made to the game. Well, I guess not insane for this year, but like they're going to be insane down the road. Like you're just living in craziness. So just embrace it like it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little ashamed of it. I, I feel like that they should have been punished for being this bad. That's the thing. Like, uh, th- it's a microcosm of why the expanded playoffs are a bad idea because it enables you to not have to try as hard. The, this Brewers team is super flawed, and it, it, they should be fixed. They need to be fixed, and they might not be because they made the playoffs with it. <laughs> so, no, that's no good. And I'm happy they're in, and I get to watch more baseball for a couple games, and that. They may even have a puncher's chance because their bullpen is so good and their starting pitching so good, even if they don't have burns. But uh, it, it just is it's weird. It feels fake. And uh, it, it's like I don't like what it says about how they are as a team and that they really it, it was miserable to watch the offense. They need to fix the offense if they don't do it because they can eke into the playoffs by not fixing the offense. That's bad. It's, it, it'll make all of our lives worse next year watching this garbage offense play more. Well, at least we're not a six seed. <laughs> because the Astros are a six seed. Yeah. And they have the true. same exact record because the expanded playoff setup, instead of just doing an all NL, all AL thing, they have done it by divisions. So the Astros ended up taking the uh, second divisions spot and uh, getting in that way, which is stupid. That's bad too. But, it, <laughs> you know, as soon as they figure out how to cheat again, they'll be right back to their old ways. So it's not as bad of a, a thing there since they have less to fix. Right. Along with Ryan, I mean, there's this season, we should be happy that we got baseball. Like it wasn't, it didn't look like it was going to happen. I predicted we'd get like a third of the season. And instead we got all of it. We got postseason. We're getting at least two more games of baseball. Let's just be happy with what that is. Enjoy it. And it's still a playoff victory. I mean, the playoffs were expanded to 16 teams for this season because we knew there'd be so much variability. We know that the, Brewers season was built or roster was built to actually plan for that variability and work around it. Um, Unfortunately, having a shortened season, it doesn't really work out that way. So when you have players who struggle like Justin smoke and you can't leverage that into because he's cheap and affordable and you can't leverage it out longer, it ends up not working out so well for your team. Uh, But we've gone into that before. We know that, really the brewers were punished for the way they built the roster for 60 games. I agree with Paul too, that uh, I don't want them to <laughs> the takeaway to be, Oh, cool. We can try less. I think we all agree that the brewers at least half better than they actually performed because even <laughs> like, do any of us believe Yelich is a two Oh seven hitter? No, do, right. I mean, certainly yeah. not. I, I think in like the full season predictions, I had pegged them at like what 83 or 84 wins. So like, this isn't too far off from that pace, True. like game here or there in a two month sample size is whatever, but right. But even it, when your MVP isn't hitting like, right. It, it It's bad that they got into the playoffs, but I'm, I guess it should be an indicator that next year might be okay because most of the roster comes back and won't be complete garbage. I don't believe Keston here is this bad. I th- I expected this to kind of happen because he has a 40% strikeout rate right. and it's his sophomore season and he's never really experienced stuff like this. But I think there's a lot of uh, optimism to take from it. And like, I'd rather just be happy we saw baseball and understand that like it was made to 
the 16 game playoffs existed for this situation for when a team who probably is a lot better underperforms. And we saw a number of legitimate pitching breakouts this year, too, you know, obviously headed by Burns and Williams. But there were other guys, too. Brett Suter continued his comeback from from last year's surgery or two years ago surgery really well and looks like a, a valuable piece. And we'll talk more about him a little bit later. And I don't think based on what David Stern's comments, did you guys see these Stern's comments about like what his offseason was like were basically, yeah, I it didn't work out the way. I wanted it to. This was not right. what we were trying to do. This was not, you know, and and some of it is the, the season was weird and it was short and we were built more to take advantage of a, of a long haul. But we also made some wrong calls and we're going to try harder to, to fix that. So basically, I don't I don't worry. The question will be, you know, what kind of money are they going to have to spend and what are they going mm-hmm. to be willing to spend? And who knows? what any of that's going to look like. I I just can't even fathom it at this point. So who knows? Well, and the market is shaped up, as we talked about, in a way where those Yasmani Grandal deals type things might happen again because of how stupid the season's going to be and all the poor crying that the owners are going to do. Yep. Another breakout that I think we should note, because it did really feel like a breakout, but when you look at performance measurement stats, I mean, it was a breakout. Is Freddie Peralta. You know, he mm-hmm. had the 399 ERA. Yep. But he has a 297 DRA and a five or 241 fit. And DRA is live now, guys. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Saw that. Just in Thanks, time. Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> what was really weird about this year, too, I was looking at some stuff. And I know J.R. Radcliffe, Paul's co-host on the Packers podcast, uh, pointed this out that the Brewers only won one season series. That was their 3-0 uh, win over the Royals. Everything else... Everything else was either a draw. They split everything else. Yeah. Which, so which literally, the Reds crazy. are like the only the Reds are the only NL team they lost a season series to. And that was four and six. Yeah. yeah. Like the Cubs are five and five. Pittsburgh five and five. St. Louis five and five. Like this is a five hundred team. Yeah. Whatever. It is the most five hundred team. <laughs> yes. Also, uh, Jr. Also had that nice stat about something like a fifteen percent of their total run production coming in those two games in that same week. <laughs> <laughs> The, the Cardinals and the in the Tigers wins. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Yikes. Man. That so is insane. I was, <laughs> I was digging through st- minutia today as well, and I did find an offensive stat that the Brewers led the, the NL Central in. Um, the, the the Brewers hit more doubles than any other team in the NL Central. There we go. Interesting. I was expecting, Thanks, like, Avi. Yeah. I was expecting grounded into double plays or something. Like I mean that, that too. But yeah. um, the entire NL Central is in the bottom ten of the league in doubles. Um, but the Brewers hit eighty three, the Cubs hit eighty two, and then uh, the the uh, the Pirates, Reds, and um, Cardinals are the bottom three in the league with seventy six, seventy six, and seventy three. So at least we got doubles. That's it. <laughs> something to build on. The team Lyle Overbay. I thought it was funny uh, <laughs> yesterday as we're watching and being depressed that we have to watch this offense continue over the next few games. Although, again, I'm more happy that we're getting extra baseball. A lot of people were like, oh, and Avi just can't figure it out. Avi Garcia, uh, what's wrong with Avi? Uh, he really failed us this season. It's like, why are we picking on him? Everyone yeah. did bad. Everyone was bad. Like literally everybody. If anything, Avi at least walked and hit doubles. He didn't yeah. have home runs. That was his problem. Orlando but... Arcia might be the only full season regular who outperformed expectations. And all he had to do was not have a historically miserable season. Yep. <laughs> One, Avi was asked to switch over to center field, a position that he isn't his normal home. 
and, and bat lead off and, and all bat those lead things. Off. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was he was asked to do some things that were outside of what he's done in the past, and who knows how that affects where he's at. We still have him back for next year, and I'm looking forward to seeing, God willing, what he can do in a full season. Yeah, I, yeah. I just I just don't see. Like, we know that the environment affected their performance in one way or another. Whatever it was, sixty games had or the empty stadiums or the stress of coronavirus something affected their performance because i don't think any of us are buying that all of them are this crappy <laughs> and it's right there it's very obvious that like i don't feel comfortable evaluating any player except for some of the pitchers yeah i mean you listen to what some of the guys were saying after they had clinched and you know obviously they were all saying this isn't the way that you want to clinch, but we're all proud of what we kind of overcame and what we went through this year to just to get this far. Right. And now everybody's record is, is zero and zero crazy as that seems. I mean, the brewers have taken two out of three from much better teams before, and there are going to be upsets in this format for sure. And, you know, as I put on brew crew ball, uh, today, as we record this on Monday, if you're rooting for uh, Rob Badford's stupid expanded playoffs to fail, yep. you want the Brewers to beat the Dodgers and make it an embarrassing situation, and they won't think about it twice. Well, that's where I need to borrow Brad's tinfoil hat for a second. Oh, Ryan's conspiracy corner. Yeah, Go. so if I can borrow that for a second. I was thinking about this last night, and I was going, oh, they're in a really bad position because, as you pointed out, MLB really needs the Dodgers, and I guess, I don't know, on the AL side, who, who really stands out? They they need some chalk up top so that this doesn't turn yeah. into a complete crapshoot and yep. yeah. become embarrassing to them for them to be able to do what they want to do, which is to expand it this big in the future. So that's going to be something to watch because there's a lot of motivation for the Brewers to not win. So... Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you can't have a one seed lose. Right. It's I likened it to March Madness, where it's like, OK, you can have your cute little upsets in the first round. Just make sure the ones don't lose and make sure the ones are the final four. <laughs> you know, I'm so, not sure Manfred's going to care if the Rays lose. No, that's no, but, you know, yeah. the Yankees are going to probably maybe be protected a little bit. And I mean, I, I I'm fully anticipating some shady strike zones in LA, but you know, that's kind of be to be expected this year too. So, but we talked about, I said earlier, if there was a situation that I wanted to face the Dodgers in, in the postseason, it was this, yep, right. The brewers can make this work. Um, I am actively talking myself into this and I think <laughs> we can get into these uh, scenarios with a lot of the Patreon questions that we have. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I guess do is score runs. Their pitching will be fine. That's yeah. it. <laughs> like I put in the brew crew ball post, like everybody says, Oh, it's harder to score runs in the playoffs. Awesome. <laughs> the brewers have trouble scoring runs anyway. They've got practice at this. <laughs> <laughs> if they know how to not score, or if anyone knows how to not score, right. it's the Milwaukee damn brewers. <laughs> right. Exactly. They, they have lots of practice in one run games and uh, three runs or less. Like, They've got this. It's fine. They were eleven uh, and five in one run games, by the way. Of course exactly. They were. It's their exactly. thing. That's <laughs> what they do. So you give up the DH in this in game one though and put Woodruff in, right? 
<laughs> well, Woodruff I mean, is not going to be starting game one. I think Woodruff we'll starts game two. two. We, we've yeah. got questions. Yeah, so you want him to bat. <laughs> or you just DH Woodruff in the first game. <laughs> there you go. There's there's right. Right. Big, Dan, I guess... Big Dan's hamstring is pulled, and, and that's an iffy situation. All right. All right. Patreon questions. Yes, we've got a lot of Patreon questions. So uh, thank you for all of those. We'll start with Adam Posts. Uh, kind of follows the theme that we've been talking about and something that Paul kind of mentioned he's worried about. Uh, Adam's asking, does making the playoffs make the season a success? To me, it still feels like the team underachieved. So kind of going along with Paul's point, are you know, are you worried that just making the playoffs as an eight seed at under 500, the old Herb Cole era Bucks theme is enough <laughs> for the Brewers? Or I guess, uh, Ryan, do you consider this season a success? success just because they made it to the the postseason i mean nothing this year is a success or a failure you we can't judge anything really because we're not getting a a a true sample size the fact that the brewers were 29 and 31 over 60 games in a season means that they were basically a 500 team over the first two months okay well that doesn't really tell us anything huge about the team except that they weren't terrible and they weren't great they were just kind of a middling team we don't know how they would have been over those remaining 100 games so we really just have to kind of punt on that and not draw any big conclusions this goes back to my whole bart simpson writing on the chalkboard i will not draw conclusions from (laughs) a 60 game season like we just can't and I know it's like that's our our thing here is we're we're supposed to do that like that's why we have a podcast for this, <laughs> but like you can't and really have any confidence that any of it means anything when even what was the the research I know you listen to these podcasts the same as I do Paul what was the research that said it takes how long to establish like a, a series which team's going to be the better team oh, before I it just stabilizes saw this. it's like sixty sixty five games something like that like. You're not even at the, the point to determine who's better between two teams, let alone like an entire right. league. Yep. So y- y- you basically just kind of have to throw your hands up and say, well, I don't know. Yeah, it's like 60. The, the, the old timey one I always remember is one of the first things ever read by Rainy Jazerly. Uh, it was on when the regular season becomes more predictive than preseason projections, which is about like 42 or something like that. But I mean, that research, that's like 20 years old now and um, outdated. And it's more than that. So. Yes, um, but it, it's, yeah, it's not a success or a failure, but I still think there's some lessons you can take away from the season, and I, I just hope that they, I mean, I don't want them to overreact to like Christian Yelich being bad. I don't think they'll do that, but like this is a data point for, for Hira, and you know, it's mm-hmm. not like it's, he's a universally loved prospect. He's not. Dakota was very down on him for a lot of the yeah. reasons you saw this year. And I don't think, and Ryan Braun might not be back. Um, the Brewers were putting out lots of touchy-feely stuff as the season wound down that sort of indicated he might not. The offense is very imperfect, and I hope they don't act like it is just going to rebound on its own because I don't think it will. 60 games be damned. So that, that's my big worry is that they do kind of go the Herb Cole route, and we've got a team of Frank Burkowski, Danny Shays, um, Johnny, <laughs> Johnny Newman. Um, that's no good. They get in, but they're not exciting, and they get blasted. And, um, you know, nobody wants that. It doesn't. It's 60 games. I, I don't. Really <laughs> uh, they have definitely underachieved in that. How we looked at this offense and we're like, oh, that's like a five run a game offense. Maybe we won't have a right. run differential. And they were just 
crap in that regard. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the pitching was actually good. I mean, we looked at it and we were like, hey, if the pitching can actually be good this year, like the pitching was awful last year, maybe we can get away with this. Maybe right. Brad Anderson's good. We can get away and we can be uh, one of the five teams getting in. And instead, they, I mean, that offense made baseball difficult to enjoy. Sure did. <laughs> so not fun to watch. No, that no. But I have taken no negative or positive opinions about the Brewers away in this season. It's weird roster construction. It's weird uh, training situations. It's weird game situations. It was, uh, you know, we always love to quote the creatures of habit you know every analysis of how a baseball player behaves and i think that doesn't have much value but here i think anytime you throw off a rhythm especially it's such an arbitrary thing and we really don't have a measurement for it but i've wondered how a t a clubhouse that seems to get riled up off of each other's energy can really be affected by having to space out and not being around each other and not being able to like pump each other up and stuff like that. I've wondered how much the distance has affected their relationships and their ability to kind of really cheer for each other. Obviously they still have had interaction, but you can't, you know, form lines and do high fives anymore. You (laughs) can't have Brent Suter sitting in there after his relief appearance, hitting on drums saying, when I say low, you say Kane feel like they really have fed off that in terms of keeping happiness and happiness can definitely affect the level at which you do your job. When you take away that camaraderie and make it stale, it's kind of hard to do a good job. There's a bunch of random factors that we'll never be able to measure that go into Mm -hmm. the season, as I already mentioned. And I just, I refuse to analyze. I'm going to analyze it at some point, but I refuse to take like now Christian Yelich is a, 35 strikeout percentage player. That's who he is now. Like, I just can't take those types of things away and accept them as a truce because of how dumb the season was in a fun way, but in a dumb way. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, I mean, there. it's not just Yelich either. There's a, plenty of other data points here on big name guys struggling, right? Like Chris Bryant sucked for most of the year. Javi Baez finished with like an OPS 100 points below Orlando Arcia. Uh, we're going to see Cody Bellinger. His season line looks a lot like Christian Yelich's, and that it, it was uh, pretty underwhelming for what you expect for a uh, reigning MVP. So I think Brad's right. It's it's the intangible stuff that we have no way of measuring, but I think it was kind of pretty clear that it did have some sort of an effect because on top of it being an on-field thing, you know, the virus affected the way these guys live their lives too. So, you know, you, you can be creature of habit in the clubhouse, but also you go home and you can't do a lot of the things you wanted to do after the game too. So it, it it's just uh, really hard to kind of chalk it up. I think you're, if you're disappointed with the season, that uh, fine. I think it's easy to be, be disappointed, especially if you sat there and watched all those ground outs to second base over and over and over again. But it's just too hard to make evaluations on what we saw. Another Patreon question from Aslatam, kind of, again, talking about what Paul was talking about. Will sliding into the playoffs validate the Stearns Adonacio methodology to field a, quote, competitive team without spending a lot of money? So basically, I guess if this this uh, thing sticks around, 
I guess not even if the playoff expansion sticks around, but Paul already kind of touched on it and and everybody did too. Kind of do they look at these moves and say, okay, we can do something similar. Obviously not these same guys, but can we do something similar and try again next year? I guess Brad. I think 2017 and 2018 already affirmed this for them. I don't think this is anything new. I think they know that they can win while only spending a hundred million dollars. I don't think they're, I think the organization is smart enough also not to take any conclusions away from this. I don't think this has defeated their vision, uh, but they're in terms of front office moves, they've always been opportunistic and worked off numbers they believe are viable. If they think they have information that's going to help them get dollars for war, which has always been the running joke on, you know, in the brewer's sphere <laughs> is, you know, they're, they're playing to have a surplus where they paid less money for the wins they get. I don't think this has done anything to impact their, their philosophy. I think we just saw an extreme version this year in how they thought they could build their team and be successful. I, I truly don't believe that anything has changed. I, and I don't believe that the mindset's as new as we treat it. I think that it's just this is approach. They didn't have the opportunities that they had wanted to build uh, to get those surprise impactful bats that they've had in the past years, because the off season was kind of normal last season. People got paid, people made money, people were signing in November and they didn't have the opportunity to leverage things like they had in the past. Yeah, I don't think this is going to change how they behave one bit because they don't change how they behave. They do what they do, and they've been pretty consistent about that, even though the results of it have changed over time in how that, that played out. They're always looking for value. They're always looking to add players where it makes sense to, you know, from a dollars per war standpoint or just from a, a, a team depth standpoint, they're always looking to do that. They haven't really changed their methodology that much. And I don't think they're going to look at this and say that it's going to change things at all either. Like the idea that, you know, the, that the Giants didn't come back and win yesterday, right? I don't think that changes how they proceed in this offseason one little bit. It maybe changes how they go about marketing the team because they made the playoffs <laughs> instead of missing the playoffs. But I hope they don't hang a banner for this stupid year. Please don't. They will. They're going to. Of course <laughs> they will. Please don't. <laughs> they're selling t-shirts for this stupid year. Of course yeah, they're going I'm gonna to. Yeah, I'm going to buy a t-shirt because it's funny, but please don't hang a banner <laughs> in the stadium. <laughs> They'll totally hang funny. a banner. Sorry, hang a banner for anything. Yeah. yeah. But it, it, it won't change anything they do um, because the, they have their knowns, or at least what they, what they think are their knowns, and, you know, Yelich and, and company. And then they fill it in with fodder that maybe will work and maybe won't. And they, they understand this can happen. And so this is not an unexpected outcome for them offensively. And since they have this on their radar of expectations, it won't change their mind. They'll come back maybe with different players, maybe with the same guy, but of the same quality. And they'll go from there. And maybe it'll work and maybe it won't, but it'll be cheap and it'll look just the same. Yeah, stick around for our off-season podcast where we try to find next year's Justin Smoke that yep. Paul will hate just as much. Absolutely. It's probably Mitch Moreland. <laughs> I still think they uh, – I think this is like a year that's set up for them to do like a 2018-2019 stupid edition where you're like, where did that come from? And then yeah. do a bunch of Justin Smokes around. Um, but, they're, yeah, it's – I mean, I think they're picking up a good chunk of options, and I don't think – they're going to have that much roster to fill next year anyway because they they're like ooh cheap boys they're all over <laughs> i guess we'll see how the offseason plays out but first we have a playoff series nobody seems to be giving them a chance 
I'm pretty sure ESPN's already written the Dodgers in the next round. So that'll be fun listening to them broadcast the games this week. But like I said, at the top of the show, I think I'm kind of talking myself into this possibly happening. You know, it's not a great chance, but hell, two out of three. That's not hard. Anybody can do it. A lot of it, though, as we kind of talked about, depends on the pitching. And we've got a ton, a ton of Patreon questions on, I guess, how the Brewers can stack up these pitching matchups, because obviously, you know, they're going into this with Corbin Burns will be out for at least the first round, maybe the first two rounds if they advance. Uh, Brett Anderson's kind of up in the air. He got his blister on Sunday. So, uh, you know, he's hurt again. Big surprise. That kind of basically just leaves Brandon Woodruff as like the only known starter, and he won't be able to go until, I guess, game two is normal rest for him. So uh, we got a ton of questions on how you guys would kind of stack up the pitching. We know Craig Council can get really creative in the playoffs, and he's going to have a hell of a chance to do that this week. Our first question is uh, Michael Held. Can you explain to him, basically, how the Brewers can win the series with one legitimate starter. <laughs> Woodruff will take one of the games. Do you go Suter bullpen and then kind of pray after that? I guess Ryan, you're nodding your head. <laughs> do you want? Do you want to take that one? <laughs> yeah, I tweeted this out last night, and I, it, yeah, I don't see any other way of really doing this. I think you start Brent Suter in Game One and hope you can get four solid innings out of him. He's been doing yep. pretty well in this role. And then you know you're going to be running bullpen. You're probably going to piggyback him with uh, with Freddie Peralta. And that's been a good go-to thing for them this year because there's such a, a contrast that after having seen Brett Suter and then getting Freddie in your next at-bat, that is going to jack with a lot of hitters, I think. And you're also going to be able to flip it around and get you know possibly some platoon disadvantages or force Dave Roberts to make some moves. And then you hope you have a slim lead and you can hand it over to the bullpen and and go through. And then you have Woodruff on full rest for game two. And you really then hope that he can give you a stud performance the way he did against the Cardinals this week, the way he did, uh, what was it, two weeks ago against the uh, Cubs. Mm -hmm. So you hope that you can get that kind of a big time ace performance from him. And you hope that you could somehow win it in those first two games with that formula and because if you have to go to a game three, I guess you're starting Lynn Bloom and it's going to be a short mm. you're, you're looking to maybe <laughs> maybe he sees the, the order one time through at most. And or, you know, maybe you're, you're looking at him going three innings. So maybe he he sees that top of the order a second time or maybe they get really nuts and do like an opener and try to get Lynn Bloom yep. in against the bottom half and then wrap him around once that way. Maybe that's the, the best way to do it. But they're going to have to get super creative. Where's Wade Miley for the one batter when you need him? I think I do that this year, but yeah. I think I big brained it, right? Oh, no. Galaxy brain? Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Galaxy brain here, right? You start with Devin. Oh, Two my innings at Devin. <laughs> <laughs> you go to Suter. Three innings of Suter. Wham. Oh, what? They've turned around for the lefty? Adrian Hauser. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Two innings of Adrian Hauser. And then you just close the door with Hater. And then what do you do? Pray Easy that clap. Woodruff goes eight innings in game two? Is that Yeah, Woodruff okay. isn't getting a break. He's going now. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think that's true, if, especially if they happen to win game one. I think they grind out Woodruff as much as possible in game two and then come back with 
the whole staff game in game three and yeah. you know, leverage the super good leverage guys. Um, Would, but that's that's what you want. That's what you're shooting for. Yeah, Woody is leaving game uh, two with 350 pitches thrown. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like it is like, oh, sorry, we've killed you and your career. But thanks. You and he's hitting because, yeah, he's hitting because uh, Clayton Kershaw starting game two yeah. for the Dodgers. So you've, you've got to have Woodruff hitting too for the Our extra best, pop in the lineup. The best hope is that Walker Bueller has been bad. Yeah. And he's like, game one. So yeah, you'll see because he's been injured all year. Uh, so yeah, game one, then you still have yeah, Alex Claudio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have Knabel and then you have, uh, you know, Yardley and there you go. And Topa. Topa's look good. Yeah. I mean, he was like surprising dudes on Sunday. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> who was it? Craig Goldstein is basically Justin you- Topa. Who's not a real person is up here throwing <laughs> 99 with movement. And it's like, yeah. it's funny how many people you could tell, especially in the Brewers fandom, hadn't watched a game in two or three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> the last game. So like, Oh, winner, you're in. I have to watch or winner, you're in. I have to watch. Right. Well, and like- the Packers weren't playing. So yeah, I'll watch the Brewers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, there's so idea. many people that are like, wait, He's been in the in the lineup all season. You're like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like all of it. <laughs> all right. So another Patreon question, kind of along the same lines. Jay Google says, besides Woodruff, who starts against the Dodgers with Burns out and Anderson unlikely? So we kind of already touched on this, but Paul, do you think like they have to start Lindblom at some point or risk Adrian Hauser against Cody Bellinger, which is a nightmare scenario for me? Goodness, no. Um, I, <laughs> unless they get just a. Uh, some terrible bad breaks like Woodruff can't get out of the first or something like that. And their depth is severely challenged. I think they, they, they downplay the guys with weaknesses. They, to the extent they use Lindblom or Hauser, it is, you know, in long relief in kind of an opener type situation. I don't see him playing it any other way. I, I think that's just how you roll with it. Suter, you know, he's been good enough that he, I think you can let him go for a little bit longer than the rest of the guys. But outside of, you know, it's, it's Woodruff and a half. That's what you got for starting pitching. Every, everybody else <laughs> is a situational reliever at this point. It's only three games. I mean, I know I, I understand that there's another series if you win that after that. And you need pitchers yeah. to pitch in that. But you got to figure that out. Yeah, you, whatever. You will, that's exactly right. You will figure that out. So, but, um, yeah, yeah, by the time that happens, you should have healthy bad starters again. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, too. But I think in this series, I mean, you're, you're going against the Dodgers. You throw everything at the kitchen sink. You don't. You know, you got to try to win game one, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, if if you get game one, you're golden. And I think that's the thing is you're looking at in a five game series, you can kind of survive letting Lynn Bloom get a game one Mm -hmm. or something to that effect. Here, you really just need to give it your damnedest. And, you know, if you need to call Eric Lauer up to start game three and just throw your hat in, like, (laughs) okay, we tried our best. We tried really hard to win game one and game two. Yeah, every every team that gets through the first round is probably going to have one of those second round starts of a guy that they aren't that comfortable with. Like, that's probably going to happen to everybody at some point. And you don't care at this point. You you plow through the first round and you get through it as best you can because that's – that's beating expectations that if you get by the Dodgers, suddenly things are much more opened up. So we got really lucky that the NL got the Wednesday through Friday instead of the Tuesday yeah. to Thursday run. Because Very much so. You get an extra day for Woodruff. Yeah, yeah, that's... it means that Woodruff can because you're guaranteed two games. So, you know, you can start Woodruff in the second game and not worry about and not have to worry about that. Whereas if you were playing, uh, yeah, the Tuesday through Thursday, Woodruff having to start on Thursday, you probably would have been tempted to pull him back on short rest. And short, yeah. That's not good. 
this does work out. It does work out a little bit in their favor that way. If I'm being like legitimate, I think you got to go uh, Freddie on game three. I mean, Freddie's probably pitching after Suter, right? In game yeah. one. Eh, maybe. Did you mean... hear my big galaxy brain? Like, <laughs> I went through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. One more question about the pitching, and it kind of relates to this, uh, but maybe more, you know, speaking of Freddie, when you would use an arm like him. So Michael Heitkamps is asking, which pitchers do you trust to pitch meaningful innings in this series, whether it be out of the pen or as a starter? So Freddie's obviously one, right? But if you've got a lead in game one in the seventh inning, do you pitch Devin Williams two innings? I guess who are the other guys? Obviously, I mean, yeah, obviously that's what you do. But say you, you're in a situation where uh, Brandon Woodruff can't get out of the fifth inning. Who do you go to for those important innings? I guess, Ryan. Well, I think it would be a mixture of Knable and Yardley if you're facing a lot of lefties. Or, sorry, Yardley if you're facing a lot of righties. Claudia if you're facing lefties. Like, I mean, those are those are kind of the guys that they'll probably have to turn to at that point unless Williams isn't used in game one for some reason, and then you'd turn to them. And Because if Williams has to go two innings, you they generally have not been pitching him on the next day. So, right. And same goes what, for Hater. You go Williams game one, yeah. uh, Hater game two, right? <laughs> Williams is young. He's already had Tommy John surgery. He'll survive it. He will. <laughs> a, a lot of this question is just dependent on how things go in game one, because you can take some chances with game two if you get game one and let you guys recover to go all out in game three. So I trust different people um, after a win in game two. Like if, if Topa pitches a little bit in game two, um, if we've got game one in hand, just relying on his little hot streak that he's had so far, I'm fine with that. Uh, that's no problem. Um, if you want to lean on Claudio a little bit more because he's not a butcher against opposite side pitching, maybe you can get away with that. But uh, I only trust the big guns if the season's on the line. That's that's pretty much it. I only trust Williams and Suter and Hayter to some extent um, <laughs> if, if the season's on the line. And I ride them as hard as possible if there's elimination, um, you know, going to bite them. Yeah, that's what they're going to have to do, and that's what everybody is going to be doing. And without having the days off in the postseason this year, at least until you get to the World Series, it's going to really be a different game than the way managers have managed in the last few years. So I think it's going to make John Smoltz happy, which is sad for <laughs> the rest of the universe. But like, I think it's going to make him happy because teams aren't going to be able to be as limiting of their their pitchers as they had been in the past they're going to have to rely on the depth guys a little bit more than they would have in the past especially once you get deeper into a series three four games in teams are going to be turning to guys well down their their pitching roster to try to get them through it which normally would would be an advantage to the brewers because i think they have a deeper staff than a lot of teams do but without having corbin burns up top with woodruff that it, it does just sort of limit that where that depth is going to be able to be used. They're going to have to be using guys earlier in games than they would ideally like to. So mm -hmm. we'll just have to see how it plays out. But yeah, I mean, obviously you have to do everything you can to win one of those first two games to extend it to a third game. So that's otherwise the season ends. So you, you throw what you have to at the wall to make that happen. I think if there's any manager that you trust to kind of navigate an impossible situation like this, it's kind of Craig Council, though, right? Because, hell, I mean, he kind of did it in the 2018 NLCS against the Dodgers, too, with, like, no good starting pitchers, and 
they got to seven games there. By the way, the Brewers won two of the first three games in that series as well. So <laughs> you never know. But, you know, in terms of other guys who can soak up innings, I still have weird hope that, you know, if you're not going to use Lindblom as a starter or Hauser as a starter, I mean, their splits are still effective enough that if you get a line of righties, three, four in a row, throw them in and you're probably golden. I just, like I said, I do not want Adrian Hauser facing uh, Bellinger at any point in my life ever. So I I really hope that doesn't come to pass. But, you know, I, I kind of really tr- trust Craig Council here to kind of mix and match and get the 81 outs that he needs to get for three games or whatever it is, you know? So, yeah, I, I, I guess we'll see who steps up, but I think you guys are all right in that we kind of know who we can trust. And if they're going to win the series, it, it might come down to one of those dice rolls with Alex Claudio or something stupid like that. Point being that the Dodgers are really, really good. And uh, James Vandenberg has another Patreon question for us. Uh, says, obviously, with no interdivisional games, he wasn't exposed to how much uh, or much Dodgers content this year besides the occasional check-in and how many games they were on pace to win. They ended up at 43 and 17. I think I said at the start of the year they would they would win like 45, so I wasn't far off. Uh, but basically, he's wondering, uh, scouting report, uh, where are they vulnerable? How can the Brewers make this series interesting? <laughs> um, they're, they're a super team who is terrifying. Uh, we've already talked about how you make a terror. Like, you, you got to you got to win it with your pitching. You just have to. Yeah. Uh, otherwise they have, uh, you know, pretty good batting. Uh, thankfully some of their better players have been cold. I wonder what that's like where they have uh, <laughs> Max Muncie and Kike Hernandez. And we covered Cody Bellinger all underperforming expectations. Bellinger is not quite as bad as Yelich is, but he's not mm-hmm. having another MVP season where Muncie, who's supposed to be one of their leading offensive players, is, you know, batting under 200. Jack Peterson, who's supposed to be one of their leading offensive players, is batting under 200. But then you turn around and, oh, you got a starting five of a bunch of pitchers who would be ones on almost every other goddamn (laughs) NLS team. Yep. Uh, so you have Clayton Kershaw, Dustin May, and Walker Buehler to go through because they got to pitch May in the third game, right? If they goes to three. Like he's been phenomenal. Yeah, that's Kershaw still TBD, but maybe they see if they use him in the bullpen first. But yeah, yeah I, that's probably the pick. Even if they don't, you're not getting any breaks with uh, Julio nope. Urias and Tony Gonsolin. Sure not. No. Gonsolin's been better this year. I think May, if you look at the underlying stuff, he's not striking that many batters out. And the walks are, you know, nothing really particularly impressive. Gonsolin has a big split. I mean, he's a 657 strikeout to walk guy. I really like Gonsolin. I tried hard to trade for him in my dynasty league and wasn't able to get him. So I've been watching him closely to Ben very grumpy about that. So yeah, it's, I think that the, the thing that they have going for them a little bit here is if you look like Dustin may has a 462 FIP, Kershaw's up over three, three thirty one. Urias is three uh, seventy two. Like their starters have put up really, really good ERAs, but some of the underlying numbers are not sparkling. They're they're not bad mm-hmm. by, by any means, but they're not sparkling. So they're maybe a little bit vulnerable. I don't want to get too much into that bullpen because I think they can just throw so many different guys at you and 
that's going to be you're you're going to want to do some damage i think that second third time through the order and hope that roberts leaves guys in for that third time through the order because once it gets to the bullpen it's just big arm after big arm after big yep. arm yeah i think there's some hope in the back end of the bullpen uh training has really fallen off towards the end of the season uh jansen is doing well but he's not cool he's not the he's like not super elite super reliever closer yeah, that he exactly. was three years ago so there if there's hope after the starters it's those two in the back end uh, training ended up having a 386 ERA after everything was said and done, but he he was very dominant early on and started getting beat up a little bit later. Holy cow, Jake McGee, 14.6 yep. strikeouts per nine, 1.3 walks per nine. Guess yeah. uh, he was happy to get out of Coors, huh? <laughs> a little bit, yes. God, yeah. No, it's interesting, Ryan. You bring up kind of the underlying stats because that probably. I was surprised to see this when I pulled up Fangrass, but the Brewers actually are ahead of the Dodgers when it comes to pitching war. Uh, Brewers are actually second in the in the majors at 9.8 in pitching war. Dodgers were fifth at 8.2, but maybe that's the the underlying numbers you're talking about there with the Fangrass war. Yeah, and we're not going to be with one of our best pitchers, at least for this series, and with the with Burns getting hurt. And I don't know. I mean, how deep would they have to go at this point for them to have any chance of bringing him back? At least the NLCS, right? He's not coming yeah, back. Yeah, I think series, that was so. the that was kind of the estimate. And yeah. I I did see though that uh, Stern slipped out. Like it's unfortunate that he can't contribute as a uh, starting pitcher. Was his phrasing on Sunday Ooh, night? So maybe maybe <laughs> you get him for short stints in this in the second round. I don't know. That's getting my hopes up, but. We'll see. I, I also wonder what they're doing with Anderson's blister. They haven't moved him to the IL. They don't have any need to until you no. need to make room for the pitcher. But I, I wonder if they're going to try to have him ready for game three. It'll be very tight. I think that'll be on normal rest, and normally blisters don't heal up like that. But even if you just mm. have him rest soak and like file it down, you can hopefully Pickle have or the uh, Moises Alou treatment. <laughs> yep. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. Yep. Uh, so you could hopefully have him for three or four innings if he doesn't get any of his normal work in and then have him start game three. I think that's a possibility. Uh, I just keep trying to, like, I keep going back to, and no matter what the question is, is like, how are we going to manage game three? <laughs> like, it's but just such a, that's so if you get there, figure it out on, you yeah, know, absolutely. Thursday night. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. No fan <laughs> should be worried about it. Every fan should just be like, let's just win the first two. Yep. Yeah, that's, that, exactly. And if exactly. you, if you lose one, just concede and, and tip your cap to the Dodgers and move on. <laughs> and, and knowing that they've got Woodruff in game two, I feel like if there's a lead in game one, like, Council is going to go balls to the wall just to get that win, right? Like he absolutely. has to. Yeah, yeah. you have yeah. to pull out every stop to win any game you can here. I mean, yeah. but there's also going to be a you know, if you are down four runs in the fifth <laughs> inning of of game one, like I don't necessarily expect them to empty their bullpen of their best yep. relievers at that point. I wonder like, what the punt number is. I bet it is right mm. about four. It's going to be variable based on what inning it is, too. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's the thing because the Dodgers are capable, even against a good pitching staff like the Brewers, they're capable of putting up a four in a hurry. Oh, you know, yeah. you look at their offensive numbers, they've got a team WOBA of 350, 
WRC plus 122. They hit 118 home runs in 60 games. That's insane. That is insane. My like, God. absolutely. Good crazy. Lord. Playing at Dodger Stadium. Good Lord. Good thing it's not at Miller Park. Yeah, the uh, last game of the season yesterday, they uh, went a little wild. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, didn't Mookie had like a three homer game or a four homer game this year? I, mean, and he, I felt like. Didn't he, he have multiple? Two. He had like didn't two he? in a week. He I mean, he, he had one. It was like. Year. Yeah, it, and he was like, oh, it's just a three-homer game. And they're like, dude, you're like one of six people who have done this. Stop it. So I, Right, man. and everyone else did it, like, hit that, her had that many three-homer games, and, like, it took them until they were, like, 36. Right. <laughs> and he's 28 <laughs> or 29. Yeah. Oh, and they extended him, by the way. Yeah, so, I mean, the Dodgers offense is no joke. That's your scouting report. And, mm-hmm. you know, like we, we talked about the Brewers kind of building for depth for 162 games. The Dodgers have become the masters of that. That's how they have run away with the NL every single year is just depth on depth on depth. Everybody's got a platoon. Everybody's got an advantage. They're just, it's unfair that Andrew Friedman is working with the LA Dodgers budget. I think I'll, I'll just put that up there. <laughs> right. It's, uh, they, it's, it's not fun when uh, big market teams get smart. But. They prospect hug. They're very good at development. So even when they start mm-hmm. to get find weaknesses, like what team has that infield? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when the Dodgers trade away a prospect too, that's kind of like the, it's like the old, well, when Friedman with the, was with the Rays, it's like, okay, if they're giving up that guy, what do they know? Kind of thing. You yeah, don't well, trade we, for Dodgers prospects. We yeah. talked about that. Like if they ever are like, yeah, you can have uh, Gavin Lux. I'm like, no, take him back. I don't want him. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they're just extremely well run, ruthlessly efficient. They're a juggernaut. They should win, but that's why it will be hilarious if the Brewers win. This Indeed series. it will. Three game series, man. Any stupid anything, thing can happen. Literally anything can like the freaking worst team in the world. Like, yeah, if people wanted to make sure the good teams got through, this is not the way to go about it. So. No, but you're going to have massive intrigue and upsets. And it's just, I actually kind of like the three game model, I guess, for a wild card play. And I hope, yeah. kind of hope, like if they go forward, if they expand the playoffs, I guess at least make the wild cards three game series and let the division winners through or something like that. I mean, it's just so interesting that game one becomes kind of so pivotal too, you know, especially for an underdog team like the Brewers, you win game one, suddenly the entire dynamic shifts, right? So it'll just be kind of interesting to see what happens. A couple more Patreon questions here. Jeremy Nachman says there was one year the MLB schedule finished on a Wednesday. He asked, would that not be better, especially with this format promoting more last game drama? All the focus on Sunday was kind of on the NFL and not the MLB. So I guess do you do you like the schedule ending on a Sunday or middle of the week, Paul? I don't care that much because I watch it regardless. <laughs> but I do think it's not smart to have a bunch of high drama games going up against the NFL. It's, yeah. it's a bad idea. And if you can make the season end in a, on a day when there's not as much competition, especially when everybody's sitting at home in their houses for the most part, not everybody, and you you required people i appreciate you but a lot of people are sitting at home and can watch baseball so yeah you should do that but um i'm, I'm fine having a weekend day to do it i probably wouldn't have been able to do it in the daytime on a on a wednesday either so i understand the allure of the weekend and having it be an all-day thing I, I, it probably doesn't matter that much in the grand scheme of things but if i were them i would have it on a weekday and then you can roll into the playoffs uh, as the the weekend rolls into so that's what that's what i would have done but don't really care that much i'm just happy baseball's on well, especially with this format, I actually think the opposite is true. 
So from what Jeremy's saying here, because I think that the whole point of this format is you're moving a lot of the drama away from the end of the season in the regular season, and you're moving it to that playoff series. And that series is now going to be running uh, Tuesday through Friday in the two leagues. So mm-hmm. it's not going to have any of the competition of the NFL except for the, the lone Thursday night game. Which It's like the worst Thursday night game that's ever been on a Thursday night game. <laughs> and that's saying something because those – those Thursday night games can be real stinkers. Isn't it sure. like it's Jets and Browns, I think? Oh, my like, like God. That. It's the Jets and someone bad. No, it's usually like your Jacksonville, Tennessee special. But anyway, I mean, especially this year, to Ryan's point, like Wednesday, we have baseball from noon until midnight, like quite literally March Madness style. It's insane. And so, Thursday, there's probably yep. going to be at least six games. Yeah, because yeah, four of the series right. won't have completed. The NL series won't have completed. And at least a few of those AL games will go to a third, a third game. game. Yeah. yeah, so I think we're going to see a bunch of games on Thursday as well. Oh, it's a Jets-Broncos. Uh, so yeah. it's uh, like two of the worst teams. Bortles! Very anyway, bad. <laughs> that's a terrible game. I, they should just not I play think, that game. I think the ideal is, because you have to think about like how much the West Coast struggles with scheduling. So if you did it on a Wednesday and you want to have all of them end at the same time, which I think is a good idea, you are cutting off so many people from being able to attend because you have to start games at, if you even want to to do prime time, you want to start them at six. Uh, So they start at four on California, six hour time for California time. So you're you're talking about a lot of uh, difficulties in terms of that. So I think the ideal is actually Saturday and you get them all in. You saw that day for people to watch. I get why they do it on a weekend. I think their idea is, you know, we know it's hyper-regional. They're going to watch the baseball team, even if their football team is playing, if it matters to their team, and that's all that they can hope for. I think they just concede that. They'll get high vision on their team if they're in the playoff race. Because generally speaking, a lot of us aren't going to care about a week three game. Yep. And now we're in the day of multiple screens and like us all having a TV, a computer, a phone, a tablet, and multiple mm-hmm. of those. Generally speaking, people can watch both that they want to. Very true. Yep. Yeah. I, I I do like the idea of like a playoff starting on the weekend, which I think was the idea of finishing the season on a Wednesday that one year. Um, but again, like, I, I, I can't it, complain too much either about everything being done by five o'clock on Sunday, you know, yeah. then, you know, and you're going ahead with the week. Like these are the playoffs. Well, I just remember how <laughs> difficult it was for me to do anything productive game 163. Right. Like, yeah, was, that's true. That was an afternoon like, game too. Like, it was. Yeah. Like it, it was so, it was just painful. Yeah. All right. One last question. PJ Wessels has the last one. And it actually kind of brings up something I, I was kind of joking about on Sunday. He's asking, do four teams making the playoffs from the NL Central confirm that it was the toughest division in baseball? I'm going like full SEC argument here on this. Like, yeah, the Brewers finished under 500, but in the crappy AL West, they would have been five games over. So I don't know. I, I was kind of having fun with that, but. I guess, Paul, is the NL Central the toughest division in baseball because of this? No, I, I don't think so. <laughs> so uh, we should say it, it, it sounds silly on its face. We've seen all these teams and how flawed they are, um, mm-hmm. especially offensively. Basically, every team was super flawed offensively, just not to the extent the Brewers were. The Cubs whine, have been whining all day or all month, all season about 
not scoring enough runs too. But the other divisions have had had problems as well. Um, uh, everybody's got their bad teams. Nobody's quite as bad as the Pirates, but um, no, it's a very mediocre division, and it got to play cross conference games with another very mediocre division that also got like I would say not more teams than expected, but the AL Central got three as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think. That is really what the determining factor is for a lot of these divisions for just who they had to play across the way. Like the the poor NL East um, had to deal with the Rays and the Yankees and a surprising um, Blue Jays team. Um, yeah, the Nomad Blue Jays making the playoffs. That's yes. Yeah. So uh, no, the, the entire Central was pretty flawed. Um, it was just balanced, and that's why they got so many teams in. And no, it just, they're not the SEC. Well, you know, the SEC got kind of, <laughs> the SEC got kind of rocked this weekend, is my understanding. So uh, maybe they, yeah. Oh, they did. Yeah, maybe they so are. Definitely the SEC. <laughs> so, so, Paul, you're not buying that like all the NL Central offenses were terrible because the pitching was the pitching that was good, so good on uh, all the teams. I am not buying that. No, <laughs> I'm not on board. Four teams from the NL Central making the playoffs confirms that 16 team playoffs is dumb. Yep. Let's do that. <laughs> you guys want to hear something crazy? I just sure. looked this up. Have a little sympathy for the Pittsburgh Pirates because their season, they played six games out of 60 against non-playoff teams. They played three against Detroit and three against Kansas City. Every other game they played was against a team that made the playoffs. Wow. So now I can understand why the Pittsburgh fans were all so miserable all season on Twitter. I mean, they were really miserable. There you go. Well, I mean, the Pirates weren't trying anyway. No, like, they weren't. Even but... in a year where everybody was going to make the playoffs, they didn't try at all. So Actually, it's... speaking of that, the Nats like crushed the Mets yesterday, and I, a prospect Brad was like, you idiots! Because <laughs> they matched ties with them, and I think then won the division series, so they jumped them in the Yeah, uh, it's at the Mets the last place. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, uh, I mean, at least the Pirates got Kumar. Good job. Yep. He's going <laughs> to suck to play against for a while. Well, we don't know that. We don't know what the draft order is going to be next year. They haven't committed to it yet, and nobody... They haven't, but it's strongly implied, at least from my seen from Jeff Passan yeah. and others that it'll be draft order or at least yeah, winning it's things. just going to be this year's order the 60 game season yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. Understanding. Okay. which I, I know the pirates were freaking out about too because if yep. you're going to be 18 win bad you may as well get the first pick but anyway indeed I also kind of argued that they got it easy by playing the AL Central because the Brewers also I feel like played the bad team some of the or like almost the least out of yeah, they the like other... got three games against the Royals and four against also, the Tigers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then you have to play the Twins, the Twins Cleveland, and uh, the White Sox. Mm-hmm. I kept, uh, so, I don't know, sucks. But it... I mean, the Brewers only played 17 of their games against non-playoff teams because the Pirates for those 10. There you go. Then, yep. Yeah, there you go. Yep. SEC strength of schedule, baby. Look at that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anybody's arguing that. Yeah, the NL Central third and fourth. I mean, especially you saw the Cardinals and the Brewers play five games over the last weekend, and neither of them looked especially great, unless it was Harrison Bader hitting Fred Bird's painting because you gave him a fastball when that's the only thing he can hit. But what the hell was that? <laughs> I was actually so much. I was uh, speaking of one of the times I think we did this before we started recording, but bitching about Craig Council decisions. I was like, "Why are you bringing Hadrian Hauser out there with Dylan Carson second? 
Well, like, yeah. what are you doing? Like this with game, the lefty do up, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and like he's like the hottest lefty hitter on the damn team. And the triple play, I was like, okay, I'm an idiot, whatever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like he was saved by a miracle, but at the same time, I was like, oh, I don't know why I say anything, Craig. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you doubt Craig Council? Anyway, and I'm sure by the time I was complaining about Adrian Hauser coming into the game, he was throwing his first pitch. The triple play had already happened, and everyone's looking at my Twitter <laughs> timeline, going like, "What's this idiot talking about streaming on a damn Hulu? <laughs> damn That's it, fine. Hulu!" Yeah, you're gonna need better streaming if you're gonna stay up for 9 p.m. Central Time to watch Game One on Wednesday. So. God, Hope everybody gets the crap. coffee and gets to sleep. Yeah, exactly. It, hey. It's going to be a lot of late nights just to see the Brewers lose. Anyway. Uh, it's just our punishment. Like, the season was all about being punished. But in good news, yeah. 2020 has been all inversely dumb. <laughs> all about inverse dumbness and be, things being stupid. What's more inverse dumb than the one of the worst playoff offenses ever to just yeah. dominate uh, the best team in baseball? Exactly. And also, you know, on, in that same vein, if the Brewers don't make it a Brewers Marlins NLCS for ultimate dumbness, I I do hope that the 29 and 31 Astros make it to the World Series and beat the Dodgers again, just because <laughs> the Dodger fan meltdown would be priceless. It, it'd be so funny. Also, yeah. the I mean, Marlins are the danger play. They've never lost the playoff series. Exactly. So what's another three or four? Exactly. All right. So we had a lot of good questions this week. If you have something you want us to talk about, uh, we put out a call for questions every week on our Twitter account at MKE Tailgate. It's got a link to our Patreon page there. Uh, patrons get question priority. So either sign up for Patreon, become a patron and get question priority, or you can reply to that tweet with your question. You can follow each of us on Twitter as well. Ryan is at RD Top. Paul is at Badger Noonan. Brad is at Brew Crew Blue. And I'm at James L. Slightly disappointed we didn't get any Transcontinental Railroad questions this week, but you know, we've got all off season after this series. So we will be back next week. But first, if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. That's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, anywhere else you get your podcasts. Do sign up, subscribe, and while you're there, please do leave us a rating. When we come back next week, we'll know how the uh, Brewers did in L.A. and maybe be talking about a second-round playoff series. Either that or we'll be kind of recapping the crummy season. I guess final bets, guys. Who do you got? I'm never the optimist, but why not uh, 2-1 Brewers? Yes. Ryan? I mean, that's really, really (laughs) pessimistic. They're going to sweep. 2-0. 2-0. They're going to sweep. <laughs> so here's the fun thing. We now Hawks know right as the yeah. podcast ends, Craig Council trying to live forever rent-free, and Dave Roberts said not naming a starter until the latest he can possibly do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. It's going to be it's gonna be Adrian Hauser and then uh, Brent Suter after that. One inning, Adrian Hauser, opener, calling it right now. No, do you scratch him 30 minutes before the game? So oh, you had a yeah. blister. So you had a chip fingernail. Blister, uh, Sorry, ugly. Adrian, give me your Sorry. hand. This is your sacrifice to the season. Take a hammer oh, to the nail. <laughs> I really miss the gamesmanship between the Brewers and the Dodgers. And somebody's going to get thrown at. Uh, all right. It'll be a mess. We'll talk about it next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate. Thanks, guys, for listening in.
Fair.